And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts, middle walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, Suffolk all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy day today. A lot to get to. Rich Gannon will join us. I wanted to get the best possible guest on this week, period, to talk about Kansas City and the Raiders, the Raiders' offense, and what needs to happen. And Rich is a straight shooter. As you know, the former MVP, the former Raider, great quarterback. So Rich is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, and it should be a good conversation because Rich uh, normally – Tells you what he thinks. He always does with me. So I'm looking forward to that conversation at the bottom of the hour. Vince Sapienza from Fox 5 does a lot covering the Raiders. Our good friend Steph McKenzie, the diehard Raider fan from 97.1. She'll jump in. We'll talk to her. She'll jump in from the point. Johnny Katz, from an entertainment perspective, want to know what's happening around Vegas over the holidays. Everything from Adele crashing Ticketmaster to some of the concerts, Journey's in town this weekend, what's happening with the rodeo and everything else. So we'll talk to Johnny Katz a little bit later on in the show. And then I guess Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr are speaking today. So maybe we'll carry one in its entirety or the other one in bits and pieces. So that's what I got lined up today as we're brought to you by our good friends at Golden Entertainment that own the Strat. The Strat has been completely redone. If you haven't been in there, you don't know what I'm talking about get into the Strat and get into that lobby and see what they're doing there with their, with their flagship PTs, all the great restaurants, the top of the world, the great views, the rides at the top. Uh, that's owned by Golden Entertainment, who owns PTs, plus 64 Taverns, Arizona Charlies, and they fuel the monologue every day. Great place to go watch not only the Raiders on game day if you don't have a ticket to the game, but you could also go and watch the Golden Knights. They have tremendous Golden Knight watch parties. So yesterday we went pretty hard on a lot of things. It was another show that I think was a little bit more intense than what I like this time of year. But as I woke up today, I was saying to a friend of mine who's a Raider fan, this is it. This is pretty much the last stand for the Raiders. The Raiders, this is their back up up against the wall game. They've had some other games that were in big spots this year. The big one was in Dallas. I think the biggest game of the year that they played with their back against the wall was Dallas. And they won that game, and then they played poorly against Washington and lost, and now their back's up against the wall again. So if if they get swept by Kansas City and the Chargers beat the Giants at home to go to 8-5, and it's going to be a tough road, any road, for the Raiders to get to a wild card, let alone the division. I don't think anybody thinks the Raiders can leapfrog the way they're playing over the Chargers and Kansas City if they don't beat Kansas City. If the Raiders beat Kansas City to pick up their seventh win – Even if the Chargers go to eight wins, the Raiders will have Kansas City and the Chargers right in their sight with a schedule that I think they can get other wins down the stretch. So this is a game that not a lot of people have confidence in. Vegas has no confidence in the Raiders here as they are a nine and a half point underdog on the road. It opened up at 10. It's at nine and a half. It'll probably go off anywhere from nine to 10 points. So as you know, the Raiders are a heavy, heavy underdog. And maybe they need to be. I mean, maybe this is what will wake them up and get them going in a game of this magnitude. I think what I'd like to do the rest of the week 
before I get behind, you know, and get back to the Raiders uh, Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow I interview the coach. Friday I get to host their flagship show, the Silver and Black Show with Lincoln Kennedy. So I got a lot of Raiders on my mind as I prep for this those shows and this show. And I, I think what I have today is very simple. It's desperate. Now is where we have to be desperate here. And I knew we'd get to this point at some point. You know, I thought the Raiders were a borderline playoff team, best case scenario this year, nine or ten wins. Now they're stuck on six, and they're going backwards, and they're playing their worst football because that last game was their worst football. Everything that could go wrong. Defense wasn't as bad. I went back and watched the game. The defense had a couple of big stops. The defense gave the offense multiple opportunities to play and maybe win that game, but the offense had nothing. They had literally nothing in that game, and that's what concerns me going into Kansas City. Now, for the desperation that I'm talking about, we got to put everything out here on the table, from the coaches to the quarterback. That's why I have Rich Cannon coming up a little bit later on. Josh Jacobs in the running game, the defense, Gus Bradley, Greg Olson. So everything's on the table today. So usually there's a call for action on the show, and I say I want you to call in on blank. Today's a much bigger blanket show where I want to know the level of desperation that you think the Raiders need to play for with this game. I don't swing and miss often. I might foul it off. I might pull it deep down the line and it's foul, but I don't miss often. I know this team well and I know their fans. And I missed I missed badly on that Washington game. And so did Eric Allen, my partner on the pregame show. We laid out what I thought was our best pregame show in detail with our guest from the torch on Sunday, trying to see what the Raiders could do to win that game. With a decimated Washington team who were who, who losing their two best defensive linemen in Montez Sweat and Chase Young and Landon Collins, their safety who's played in big games, and the Raiders couldn't score and couldn't move the offense even with that going on. Imagine if Washington was at full strength. Now, the Raiders didn't have Darren Waller, which was a big loss there. Kenyon Drake got injured. He's gone for the year. Alec Ingold is gone for the year. Henry Ruggs has not been here and he'll never come back. So the Raiders have been fighting off adversity all year long since the 3-0 start. And when people talk about on SportsCenter, hey, the Raiders have a swoon, the Raiders collapse the second half of the year, every season tells a different story in the second half. It's the quality of the opponent. It's injuries. Last year it was COVID. You know, changes here and there. This year... You know, this was the biggest tragedy year in Raider history when it came to Henry Ruggs and the John Gruden resignation. Uh, Going back to Al Davis all the way through the great years of John Madden and Tom Flores. There's been death in the family. There's been low moments. There's been adversity, but nothing like this. And the Raiders tried to take it on as best as they could. They have an interim head coach who I like in Rich Passaccia. Uh, They have players who will not be back next year, potential coaches who might not be back and maybe some star players who might not be back. So that's my point is that the Raiders' backs are against the wall, and we're really going to see the, the fight that they have left. How much fight, Raider Nation, do you think the Raiders have left? I think they have tremendous fight because they always play hard. This is a team that frustrates the hell out of you this year. They're just playing poorly at times. They're up and down. They're down and up. It's tough to figure out this team, but there is a lot of fight. Their players play with a lot of emotion, and they're into the games, and the coaches have them prepared to go. But then there's an execution problem in the fourth quarter at home at Allegiant Stadium. I really think that's been the biggest story of the year. 
is that they can't execute in the, four, in the first quarter at Allegiant Stadium, and they're playing from behind, and they get tight, and they get out of their game plan. And whatever they're practicing during the week, whatever the game plan is, they get away from it. And by saying that, I'm being very kind to this organization. I'm being very kind saying that because if that's not the case, then they're just flat out getting out coached. And I don't think that's the case. I think what's happening is they're falling behind for circumstances, and then they're playing tight from behind, and they don't play their best football unless they play fast and up-tempo. I don't recall a time, and I'm going to bring it up to Rich Cannon, I don't recall a time in Raider history when they played less up-tempo than they do now, period. Going back to Snake Stabler, to Plunkett, who played with a lot of speed. I talked about that with Jim Plunkett on his birthday when we got together, and Jim played with a lot of speed. He had a lot of guys talking to him, as Jim explained to me in the huddle. He had Cliff, I'm open, I'm open. He had Todd Christensen, who was this intellect, saying, I'm open, I'm open, try this. And Jim had to get the play in, in different times in a different era, get to the line of scrimmage. And Plunkett was unbelievable. He played with a lot of speed. If you look at the old Plunkett film, Plunkett getting to the line, fading back very fast. He was very fast back in the pocket. Kind of like the happy feet, but not happy feet in a bad way. Jim would always get to the back of the pocket quickly, and then he just flew it, and he let it fly. And he hit guys in stride over the middle of the field. He liked to throw the deep ball. This team doesn't like to throw the deep ball for whatever reason. They don't. They only throw the deep ball out of desperation. Now, Derek, to his credit this year, was throwing the deep ball more to Henry Ruggs when Ruggs was kind of getting his mojo going as a, as a wide receiver this year. He's coming into his best year. He's gone. And Deshaun Jackson had a big game in Dallas, but, again, he might be a little bit banged up on top of the fact his conditioning. And he didn't play a lot of plays the amount he should have played against Washington because the Raiders really needed him there. And then the Raiders didn't throw deep. Brian Baldinger at NFL Network highlighted a play on video that almost broke the Internet of Deshaun Jackson 20 yards free down the middle of the field. Derek, Derek didn't see him, and he checked down. So I believe that the biggest point of emphasis this week is Derek playing freer, Derek playing more aggressive, Derek attacking more as he's second in the league in passing yards. You don't get to second in the league in passing yards unless you put up big numbers throwing the ball downfield. And Derek has done that. But in the losses, he's not doing it. And that's what concerns me. Also coming in, Kansas City is playing a much better brand of defensive football. Fortunately, Kansas City's offense is still struggling. Patrick Mahomes just can't find a rhythm, which is a bit surprising considering how great Patrick Mahomes is. But if you look at this team in their last few games, they haven't given up more than 17 points. I mean, this is incredible. We go back to the game against the Giants where they won 2017. They gave up 17. They beat the Packers. They only gave up seven. There was no Aaron Rodgers. They beat the Raiders. They only gave up 14. They beat the Cowboys. They gave up nine. And they just beat the Broncos and gave up nine. I mean, this is pretty incredible. They beat Washington and only gave up 13. So in the beginning of the year, they were giving up a lot of points, and now their defense is really playing well. Sorensen on the back end with the Honey Badger, and that front, that front group that they have is pretty good at disrupting the line of scrimmage, and they do it in a lot of great ways. Here's Patrick Mahomes from his press conference yesterday 
on the fact that the Raiders are coming in big. Raiders are coming in with revenge, and the Chiefs got to be ready. Yeah, you have to focus on each week uh, just as important, but uh, you understand when you play a division opponent like the Raiders or the Broncos or the Chargers that you're going to get the best that they've, they have. They've been studying all offseason to play you. Uh, that, that They know that it's a big game for them as well as it is for us. Um, and so we know we're going to get a, their, their best shot. And so we have to prepare ourselves for a physical battle. Um, we're going to play four quarters of great football in order to get a win. Yeah, four quarters of great football. They haven't done that. And that's what's encouraging going into this game, Raider Nation, is they're not playing well on offense. They're not. They had a really big game against the Raiders in Vegas. That game against the Raiders in Vegas was just an incredible win for them because at that point they were being doubted throughout the league and they won 41-14. to And they outscored the Raiders 24-7 to in the second half of that game. Travis Kelsey had eight receptions for 119 yards. And Patrick Mahomes threw for 406 yards and five touchdowns. Derek Carr threw for 261 and two touchdowns in that game. And that game, you could say, was possibly the beginning of the fall for the Raiders because it was a gut punch, and it showed the Raiders that they're not at the level of Kansas City. But then the Raiders played a really good game in a shootout against Dallas. That should be encouraging for everyone. Last time these two teams played, Kansas City ran the ball for 94 yards. The Raiders ran it for only 50 with no touchdowns. Josh Jacobs had seven carries for 16 yards in the game. In the last game, Brian Edwards was the leading receiver. He had three receptions for 88 yards. And Kelsey had 119, as I said. And Darrell Williams had nine for 101 in a touchdown. And Tyreek Hill had seven receptions for 83 yards and two touchdowns. So they just mauled the Raiders. They just abused them every way you could. And that's really where I wanted to lead this monologue with desperation here and open up the phones to you at 702-365-9200. What have you seen this year that the Raiders can do well in your mind against Kansas City? Because we're going to talk about the game plan. We talked about it yesterday, and we'll do it again today with the guests that we have on. But what do you think sets up well for the Raiders in this game? they got to really simplify everything because the running attack now only has Josh Jacobs as Kenyon Drake is gone, and you don't have Alec Ingold on fourth down, being a battering ram fullback. He's gone. You have Marcus Mariota. And Marcus Mariota, in a game like this, I think could be a weapon. I just don't know how if he's just looking to run for two yards or for three yards or looking for a hole. Could there be more of a Marcus Mariota package? I also think, as I always told Sebastian Janikowski at Arrowhead, this is a game where Carlson might have to kick four or five. One or two won't do it. One or two won't do it in this game. For everybody who says, hey, man, the Raiders got to score in the red zone, let's worry about Car- getting Carlson a few kicks too because this is going to be a game that if the Raiders are in it, it's going to be very close. The Raiders aren't blowing out Kansas City. I don't think the Raiders are poised to have a game like they had there last year where they completely dominated it because they're not playing well. So maybe they have to sloppy this game up and mud this game up and really get to Patrick Mahomes and do some different things. I think it's all hands on deck, everybody. I really do. I think that whatever plays Basaccia is asking for Gus Bradley and Johnny Morton and Greg Olson to come up with, trickeration, whatever plays they are, they got to come out in this game. Would you agree? I think that this is a game where you empty out, empty out all the barrels. You have to play balls out. It's really the theme of this year, which is disappointing to me. 
is the fact that the Raiders in certain games don't seem to want to dictate the pace of the game. They play too slow. They play disorganized. They don't have a vision for how to beat the opponent once the game starts if the opponent takes away one of their routes or one of their players. And then it's just a desperate game of checking down and trying to throw screen passes and hope that someone can get open when the team is trailing to try to get back in the game. So we're going to know a lot about this game. I am damn nervous about this game early. I think the goal for me is for the Raiders to get to halftime with a manageable score. Arrowhead's going to be a madhouse like it normally is. I don't think a lot of Raider fans are going to this game before the holidays. I hope I'm wrong. You know, the diehards, Gorilla Rilla, and a lot of the diehard fans, and the ones who live there. There's a good group of Raider fans that live in Kansas City. But uh, this is going to be a full house at Arrowhead looking to put dirt on the Raiders' coffin. And you've seen this team do that before recently. So that's what Rich Passaccia is up against. I want to know what you think today is the one key for this game that could get the Raiders going. And be specific. Because for weeks I've been saying they have to open up no huddle. I think that the Raiders need to open up the game with their two-minute offense. And I think they should be instructed to do that by the head coach, Rich Passaccia. I think the head coach should instruct the offensive coordinator, I want the game to be fast right out of the gate. I want no huddle. I want up-tempo. I want to call two plays each time, and I want to attack. Do you agree with me on that? So it's not something where the game opens up, and if Olsen sees a pattern where Carr can play fast and up-tempo, they decide to do it on the run. No. I think that needs to be installed on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where they're out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and they're just running a bunch of two-minute no huddle. And they're playing faster. Because I think if the team loses but plays fast and plays with a sense of urgency, I think the fans will have a lot more respect. Am I right to say that? I've taken a lot of your phone calls over this year. And a lot of the fans, if it's a post-game show or five days a week here, want to see a more intense offense, a more upbeat offense that caters to the strength of the team. That's easier said than done. We don't have a status on Darren Waller yet. We'll know more and more by the end of the week. But you need Darren Waller in a game like this to kind of slow down Travis Kelsey because you're actually slowing down Kelsey if Waller's playing and he's moving the chains and keeping Kelsey on the bench. You know, yesterday I talked a lot about misdirection plays. I'm going to probably ask that to Rich Gannon coming up. And how do you stop? Yeah, thanks. Ring the bell every time or do a shot at tequila or Remy Martin every time I say misdirection because I just say it too much heading into this game. But we talked, we talked a lot about the defense here. You're either going to want to blitz one of the linebackers who don't cover the pass well. You want to get physical with Kelsey. You want to put your hands on Kelsey. I told you it's been an aggressive comment by me. You either bench Abram or you play him less. I'm going to be fascinated by charting how many plays Abram plays. If Abram starts the game and plays the first quarter and plays well, leave him in the game. If Abram doesn't play well, I would be limiting his snaps in this game and let Levitt play a third of the field and let Trayvon Merrick take two-thirds of the field and divide it up that way. I think Gus needs to blitz more because I think that'll get Mahomes off his spot. But when you blitz with Mahomes and he gets out of trouble, he can make great throws on the run. But I think the Raiders in this game have got to protect the back end because Kansas City just always, always 
just tricks the Raiders into coming to the line of scrimmage, and they go over the top, and we know it's coming. So I think we all know what's coming in this game from Kansas City. From a defensive perspective, how do you slow it down? You're not going to stop it. I got the box score in front of me after the game here in Vegas with Kansas City. Stop with this nonsense that you're going to dominate the Chiefs and stop them. You're not. Embrace the shootout. Do we have someone in this town who makes T-shirts for a living want to DM me and call me and make that shirt? I mean, I can make a million dollars for a T-shirt company with a Raider. Can't take the Raider logo. But we can use the JT logo and say, embrace the shootout. Because as long as they have a quarterback who's second in the league in passing and can throw a good deep ball and have receivers who can get downfield, I'm in embrace the, shutout mode, uh, embrace the shootout mode going forward because that's the only chance this team has to win. Derek is 6-0 and when he throws for 300 yards. You've got to get Derek to 150 to 200 yards quickly. You cannot do that by dinking and dunking. You can't. You just can't do it. I was almost shocked when Rich Passaccia said it yesterday. He meant it. It's not a bad thing. But he believes that some of these players on third down can catch the ball short of the marker and make someone miss. I'm a season ticket holder. I don't see people making anybody miss on third down. Uh, third down and eight, and they chuck, check down underneath, and they don't get it. I go to the restroom when they punt because I know Cole's going to do an unbelievable job. How about throwing it past the first down marker? How about taking shots? Raiders got screwed with penalties in this last game, as always. Maybe they can get some penalties in Arrowhead. You can't count on it, but that's something that we're talking about as we open up the show. All right, Sal in Vegas. Start us off, Sal. Raider Nation Radio, go ahead. JT, good afternoon, sir. Hey, Sal. Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you, and you're hitting everything right on point. I mean, I'm with you with everything that you said, just said. You know, I think at this point, uh, even if we're going to have a chance to do anything with the season, there's nothing better than to beat, beating the Chiefs or beating our rivals, you know. And I think for us to have any kind of any chance, we, it's a must win. Mm-hmm. But I think Derek Carr needs to leave it all out there, man. At this point, you just got to just air it out and let it happen. You know what I mean? If they pick it off, you know, it is what it is. But I think he has to take his chances, and I think he just has to just go with that long ball as much as, we, as, much as you know, he doesn't like to start off fast. He just needs to let it all out. And you know what? Yeah. They're not going to be mad because we've been asking for this all year. You know, and if this is the game to do it, so be it. But he just got to just leave it all on the line. There's, there's nothing else left. I mean, we've already been through so much issues this year. Let's see what you could do. Let's get it out there. We lose, we win. Hey, that's awesome. But let's get it out there and let's give them a game and let's bring the game to them. Yeah, thanks for the call. I agree with you. I think that Derek needs to prove. And Derek's proven a lot for these fans. He's proven a lot to me. You know, I'm a fan of Derek Carr, always been. But Derek's at the point now in these last few games where he's got to prove again. He's got to prove again that he can win games and carry this team on his back, which he doesn't do as much as Patrick Mahomes does. And Patrick Mahomes is going nowhere in the division. So if Derek wants to stay in this division for another four- or five-year deal, he's got to take games like this where he has the inferior team. Now, I always bring that up. Derek's offensive line or the team in general – is not as good as Kansas City's, so it's a tall task. But great quarterbacks are up for the challenge, and Derek is usually up for the challenge, but now he's got to execute in this game on the road in a real hostile environment. Robert in Los Angeles on the Raiders mobile app. Hello, Robert. How's it going, JT? I good, think thanks. the key to this I think the key to this game 
like Al said, the quarterback needs to go down. He needs to go mm-hmm. down hard. We need to be extremely physical. At this point, I seriously think they need to either – if Perriman is ready to go, he needs to be on Kelsey, and he needs to smack him off the line every time. Kelsey needs to be hit hard. He needs to be pressured. And the same thing with Mahomes. Mahomes needs to go down multiple times because we need to play physical Raider football, something we haven't played in a long time. We need to make these teams like think twice. Kelsey needs to think twice about going over the middle. I know how great he is, but I need him to – I think that we need to make it to the point where he's thinking twice, more concerned mm-hmm. about the hit coming than making the catch. We need to get in this team's head because the Chiefs, they just sit back every week, every year, thinking, oh, we got the Raiders number. We got the Raiders number. Mm-hmm. We need to play physical, old-school Raider football. We need to be physical, and we need to make Mahomes – consistently worried about the pressure coming off the edge. I agree with you. Thanks for the call. And they have the players who can play physical. They got Yannick, and they got Max Crosby, and they have the interior. They are physical players. The linebackers, Perryman, I mean, the guy walks around with his jersey pulled up. He's got an 18-pack, not a 12-pack. He's physical. He could knock your block off. I don't think Littleton is very physical. He hasn't played that way. Jonathan Abrams, very physical, but he's a liability in this game. And the rest of the players out there, but I know what you're saying. The defense has got to put the quarterback down. We've done that this year. The Raiders have, and there's been a lot of penalties for late hits. And the refs are looking for that. So that's something to keep in mind. 702-365-9200. Quick reminder, this Monday, I'll be at Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. Not a bad seat in the house. There's sports books right there, incredible food and drink specials, and the most expensive hotel casino ever built in Las Vegas. You can walk around and just look at the sights and check out Monday Night Football at Doghouse Saloon. Former MVP quarterback Rich Cannon joins us next. Helm is he? Additional tight end along with Moreau. Three tight ends are in. Jacobs gets a handoff, cuts out to the left, breaks the tackle. Jeff Pott, baby! Josh Jacobs to the left side, dances in. And the Raiders are two points away from a deadlock. Red Musburger on the call. JT back with you. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Always a pleasure and an honor to talk to the former MVP quarterback of the Raiders, Rich Gannon. Kind enough to join us. Rich, great to talk to you again. Let's just jump right in. Raiders were in a great spot coming off Thursday, Thanksgiving, beating the Cowboys. Played a poor game against the Washington football team. What did you see looking at the tape as the Raiders took a step back? You know, JT, it's frustrating because... You know, I feel like you and I have had this conversation before just one too many times. It's just like every time we get to this point in the season where we're hoping for consistency, we're hoping for a team to take off and go on a, a stretch where they win five of the last six, we just we take one step forward and we take two steps backwards. And, you know, you look at the Cowboy game and, you know, after coming off of some really difficult losses and, and, and uh, really at, at a, I, I thought a turning point, they go into Dallas on a short week, and they really play well, and they really stick it to them. And then you think, all right, well, maybe this is a turning point. And then you come back the following week, 
and you get you know you get extra days to prepare and to heal up, and you play Washington, and you can't you can't close it out, you can't finish the deal, and just just too much inconsistency really when you look at their overall body of work. I think that's for a lot of Raider fans is what's really frustrating. I you know, I, I I get it on my radio show as well. These Raider fans are just going crazy. They just they just want a they want a team that they can just count on, that they can rely on week in and week out. And in fairness. As you look across the landscape of the NFL, there's not a lot of those teams out there this year. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot of teams that, you know, you look at, you know, Miami. They they win the first game, they lose seven straight. You know, now they've lost, they've won five straight. And, you know, there's 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 a handful of teams that 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 got it going in the right direction, but too many teams have been kind of up and down. And I think the Raiders certainly fall into that category. Yeah, Rich, there's a problem at Allegiant Stadium, and the loss is 20 to nine to the Bears. They lost at the Giants, only scored 16 points. The Bengal game in a loss at home, 13 points. And 15 against Washington, but they have a quarterback who's second in the league in passing yards. So now Raider fans are wondering, is there an option downfield now that Ruggs is obviously gone forever? They bring in Deshaun Jackson, and there seems to be a lot more passes underneath short of the sticks. So what are you seeing? Is it protection here? Does Derek not have the time, or does he have to make more plays outside the pocket? Let me let me just give you my thumbnail sketch, and I've watched every game the Raiders have played this year. So, uh, in years past, it's been a little bit challenging. I usually don't get get caught up until later in the week, but um, you know I've watched all their games. I watched the, obviously the Dallas game from start to finish, the Washington game. So, obviously, you know, not having Darren Waller affects everybody, and there's no question about that. Uh, the, the one player that's really stepped up is Hunter Renfro. You look at his production the last two games, and you'd expect that. But and I said last year, you know, going into this year, that, that Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards really need to take the next step in their development. And, you know, um, obviously the, with the Ruggs situation, um, that's no longer a part of the equation. But Brian Edwards, in my opinion, it needs to do more. It needs, it needs to be more action. It needs to be more production. It needs to be more consistency. There need to be more big plays there. That, that hasn't happened. Uh, even I would say the same of, of Zay Jones, who has shown flashes. You know, I think that Sean Jackson at this point uh, is just a guy that, you know, can give you an explosive play. But I think, you know, you have to look at the number of reps, and I think you also have to look at who he is. He's not um, he's not the most physical guy. He's he's not going to do a lot for you in terms of the running game. So I think a lot's changed. I think the, the thing that I'm most disappointed about, I would tell you, aside from that issue in terms of the, the lack of development at that position, is the lack of production from Josh Jacobs. I just, to me, there's flashes. You know, I know he's, he was battling, battling some injuries there for a couple of weeks. I know there's been some issues and some changes with the line at times. But, like, I just don't, like, when you look at the lack of production there, and that's what I think is really shocking to me because I think the guy is really a talented back, uh, whether it's an issue of them not, you know, sticking to it and committing to it. Because I, I just feel like when he gets the, the opportunities and gets the carries uh, that he can really do some damage. But, you know, if, if you're using him and it's how you utilize him, I just I look at the lack of production this year. He's yet to rush for 100 yards. JT, just look at the numbers. 34 yeah. yards, 40 yards, 48 yards, 53 yards, 29 yards, 76 yards, 16 yards, 37 yards, 87 yards against the Cowboys, which was one of his best games, and then 52 yards. That's not enough from your lead back. It's just not enough production, and that affects everything that they do. It affects the play-action game. It affects the quarterback's ability to 
um, to, to do some things in the passing game. He has not been as uh, nearly as good in the passing game in terms of the screens and some of the, the checkdowns and those type of things. So that, to me, is, 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 a, big, uh, is a big part of the problem offensively as there is because that's something that I thought they could really kind of hang their hat on and it just simply hasn't happened this year for, for the Raiders. Rich Cannon, the former MVP. You know, Rich, you know better than anyone. I got to ask you what you think's going through Derek's mind right now. He lost his coach. He lost his top wide receiver. What do you think the impacts had on Derek and the depth here with this offensive line? It's not a great offensive line here. Fans want him to put the team on his back. You put the team on your back multiple times, but I think it's fair to say you played with a better roster than Derek did, and you elevated your game to an MVP level. What do you think Derek has to do here in the next couple of games to try to save the season for the Raiders? You're right. I think he has to take it take it upon himself. And I think at some point you just you put your you put your your fist down on the table and you just demand you know things get done a certain way. I I think the continuity with he and, and Greg Olson has been good. Uh, you got to give Derek a lot of credit, JT. As you point out, this is not an easy set of circumstances to be under. Not only did you lose your head coach, but you essentially lost a guy that is intimately involved in every part of an offensive game plan and the communication system and how you call plays and the history that they had together. And so that's, you know, it's different. You know, it, it, it forced Greg Olson to do some things differently, which by the way, I think he's done a masterful job. I think it speaks volumes about the type of coach and play caller that he is and his background. But, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, it's not just on Derek, but I would say Derek is as the veteran and one of the leaders in that locker room, you, you have to have the conversation. You have to be able to sit down and say, guys, here's where we're at. Here's where we, here's how we trail the chiefs. This is chiefs week. And if we can take care of business against the chiefs, we get right back into this thing. We can c- control our destiny, but the, the, the Raiders JT, they have to finish. You have to finish late in games. You've got to be able to finish late in the season. And I don't, I don't really think it's a conditioning issue with this football team. I think it's a mindset. You have to have that mindset that I don't care what happens. We're going to come away. We're going to go to Kansas City. We're going to come away with the win. That's what's going to happen. And some teams have the ability to do that. And I just, what's my concern is, is that the Raiders haven't shown the ability to do that the last couple of years. And are they going to be able to do it this year? That's what we're going to find out here the next five weeks. Wrapping it up with Rich Gannon. Rich, this is one of the most important questions I've ever asked you from a technical quarterback uh, question since I've met you in 1999. Why can't this team run up-tempo? Where is the two-minute drill early? Why can't they come out in the first quarter? And why is Derek at the line of scrimmage so often changing the play? And here's the big one. The clock is ticking down the play clock. Five, four, three. These defenses are good. They're looking at they're looking at Derek's helmet, and above it's a giant clock in the stadium that says he's got to snap it in two seconds. I am blown away that they can't play up tempo, or they refuse to. Now, that is that something you can work on more in practice, or do, do you see it when you break the huddle and you say we just can't go that way? We got to huddle. We got to take our time. JT, you can make the argument that there's not a quarterback and maybe an offense more prepared to go up-tempo and no huddle than the Raiders. I mean, think about what, what they've created there in terms of the one-word calls. And they're, they're, they, they have five different speeds with which they play at. just had this conversation uh, with Coach Gruden this, this past, this past offseason. And so they can go, like, lightning fast. They can go up-tempo. I mean, they've got all these different speeds. And at some point when you're struggling, you point out the lack of production, the lack of scoring, 
you know, why not go up-tempo? You've got a quarterback that's got – is highly intelligent. I mean, you think about what Derek Carr does. You can make the argument there's no quarterback in football that has as much freedom and flexibility at the line of scrimmage. But the, the ability to take control of the situation, to go up-tempo, and sometimes when you go up-tempo – you know, it, it really puts the pressure and the onus on the defensive coordinator. Now, all of a sudden, he's not able to make substitutions. Now, all of a sudden, he's not able to dial up all those exotic pressures and blitzes. I, I would like to see that as well because, you know, I think sometimes we try and be perfect. Sometimes there's a play call. I want to get the right personnel in the field. I want to get the right back with the right play. You know, I, I want to call this play because I want Josh Jacobs in there. I want to call this play because I want Kenyon Drake in there. You know, no longer, obviously, you no longer have Drake. But, you know, so you're trying to make every – forget it. Just just, just go up-tempo. Jacobs can run it just as well as Drake. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. And and I think some of that is trying to get everything just to be perfect. And, and I think part of it falls on Derek because he's a smart guy. Sometimes you can be too smart. Sometimes you're, you've got this concept in your mind and you're trying to get the perfect front and coverage. You know what I mean? Let's just go up-tempo. Let's get the ball in the perimeter. Let's get the ball in the hands of a playmaker. Let's get it to Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. Let them go make plays. I think that's got to be part of the mindset. It's not always about, I always say, in a critical situation, it's never about plays. It's about players. Like, if I'm Greg Olson, I'm like, I've got this back in Josh Jacobs. I'm going to wear him out here the next five weeks. The idea that he doesn't have 100 yards rushing this year is, is, is ridiculous. I'm going to go to the offensive line and say, guys, we're going to beat up on Kansas City. You want to keep Derek? You, you want to keep? Uh, you want to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines? Let's run the football. Hey, look what the look at the Patriots did the other night. And I get it. The, the weather was a, certainly a factor. The guy, they ran it forty six times. And and what was the message? Like, okay, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. I think you got to look at in critical situations and say, well, what do we got to do to get to, to win a game? Josh Jacobs has to be more of a factor. Okay, how can we? How can we? function without a healthy Darren Waller. Well, we've got to do some different things with the tight end position. And Foster Moreau certainly can be a part of that. Well, Hunter Renfro's role has increased in the offense. We've got to do more we've got to do more things to get him touches. But we've also got to be able to utilize Zay Jones and Brian Edwards and Deshaun Jackson. How can we creatively get these guys touches and get them going in the offense? I think that's to me is a big part of it. And I, I just you know that's where I'd start. You've got a quarterback that's really talented, really accurate. He needs a clean pocket. He's not going to be able to manufacture a lot of plays with his legs, but, you know, that's what I would do. I'd focus on, you know, don't worry so much about plays, but I'd focus on players. Get these guys some opportunities and some touches and see what they can do. MVP Rich Gannon. Rich, last one, and I appreciate your time. What's once a Raider, always a Raider. You know Mark Davis. You know this organization well. Going back to Al Davis, where do you think the organization is right now? as we're here getting into mid-December, knowing about some of these draft classes, the coaching situation, interim coach, what your role could be with a voice here. There's a lot of football left here for them to turn the season around, but what is your concern about this roster going forward and the potential for big changes in the offseason if they don't turn it around? I think in fairness, you have to look at what happened this year. I mean, it's so unusual to basically lose your head coach uh, in the middle of the season. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that these next five weeks, there's a lot of teams out there. I'd say JT, I think the Vikings are one of them. You know, these next five weeks are critically important to a lot of people in the building. You know, if you're, you're a quarterback and your team hasn't won, and, you know, these next five weeks, how you finish, you know, could determine whether or not, 
uh, you know, you're part of the, the plan moving forward. Same thing with coaching staffs. And I'm not talking in, in particular about the, the, the Raiders, but mm-hmm. in a way you are. I mean, if, it, if, if, it, if they, they win, they win for the next five and they get into the postseason and all of a sudden they, they win a playoff game, all of a sudden you're saying, what an amazing job that Rich Bisacci and this coaching staff have done. And quite frankly, I like what I've seen from, from, from Rich and the staff. I think Greg Olson's done a terrific job. I, I think Gus Brown, he, the improvements we've seen defensively, are significant. I mean, this team was this defense was really hard to watch a season ago. I think you look at some of the personnel changes that they've made on that side of the ball. I think you look at the impact that they've had. So I think there's some good things there when you look under the hood. And I think it's a bit premature. I think these next five weeks are critically important, not just for for people on the Raiders in terms of players and coaches, but for a lot of people around the National Football League. Rich, have a great holiday season. Always value your time. The fans love hearing you on the flagship station. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Bro, you're the best. Thanks, pal. You got it. Rich Gannon. Wow. Whoa. That was something. All rich. I mean, look, I got a feeling about Rich Gannon. I'll just say it. You could figure it out what you want to figure out there, but I got a feeling about Rich Gannon. That guy is in deep when it comes to Raider analysis on what needs to happen. He is. And you don't have to agree with everything. But what Gannon just said, I mean, that was 14 minutes of Radio Gold. He went on a deep dive with this offense, uh, highly, highly informative on Josh Jacobs and his opinion on what Derek Carr needs to do the rest of the way. And as I said to Rich in the interview, Rich had a better team than Derek Carr when he took the Raiders to the Super Bowl and became an MVP. He took that next step, and I think Derek can take that next step if he had a better team around him, which they're trying like hell. From Mark Davis to Mike Mayock when Gruden was here, Coach Passaccia, they're bringing in players. The players that they brought in this year saved the season because they were really good from Casey Hayward to some of the other ones like Yannick Ngakwe, who are some of the stars on this team. But we're at a point now where that's Rich Gannon. I need your reaction to what Rich said. 702-365-9200. What a week to get him on. Hopefully the Raiders react to that interview and play the way Rich Gannon did. That was brought to you by Modelo, proud sponsor of the Raiders. Next time you're watching a Raider game, make sure you have a Modelo Especial within reach. We got Vince Sapienza at the top of the hour, Steph McKenzie and Johnny Katz. Well, I don't really know if it's one particular thing. You know, we tried to, like I said, different things in practice to try to get us going a little bit faster earlier, some of those things. Dallas game, we come out first drive, we hit the shot, we have a big play and touchdown. This week, you know, defensively started off for us, gave up two explosive plays. Next thing you know, we're down 7 nothing. So we're going to look at all those things again, see what we can try to um, spruce up practice a little bit or something we can do, um, you know, with the coin toss. I don't know, to get us going, we can have uh, maybe some more success earlier. Together. To go on the passing of John Lennon. That had a big effect on my life. I remember exactly where I was in Massapequa, Long Island when it happened. We have the Howard Cosell soundbite to play later, uh, later in the show. And I want to get to the commentary after the Rich Gannon interview. 
Uh, no better Raider fan that I've ever met near the top on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest callers of all time, the great Raider Mike in Texas. What do you got, Mike? How are you? Brick, how's it going, babe? How you doing, man? Everything's good. Happy holidays to you, you and yours, Mike. I appreciate that, babe, and same to you and your family. Hey, man, I mean, come on, Rich Gannon, this guy, I mean, ask any old Raider fan back in 1998, and we're looking at the Chiefs, and this guy's tearing it up for them, and they go ahead and pivoted to Gerback over him. We're all just, bring him on, man, bring him on. And, and, and real quick, JP, you know, that Raider team – that Gannon inherited in 1999 was not that good. And, you know, they went 8-8 eight and eight with Donald Hollis the year before, but, but, but Gannon was what made that team. And, I mean, did, did you know the dude rushed for 600 yards in his first year with the Raiders? And listening to the interview, the big thing that comes out is he's talking about the lack of consistency. And then he starts talking about the running game. Me and you talked about the consistency problem with our quarterback before. But, but listen to me on this running game. The Raiders – are like they've got 3.8 yards per carry on the season. That's 28th in the league. But the other thing is they're 28th in the league in rushing attempts. Rushing attempts, GT, they're not on the field very long. They are last in the league almost in third down conversion at 33%. They're not staying on the field. They're hanging this defense out to dry, and they're, they're not able to run the ball because they can't keep any drives going. I'm telling you, man, this is all on the quarterback. The quarterback has got to manufacture these drives. He's got to stay on the field, and Derek Park cannot do that. I don't care how many yards he passes for. He's got to be able to stay on the field. And why the hell don't we have our backup quarterback on the field on third down you know it, it, it's it's we're not talking about we're talking about we're talking about losing hope on the season here man we need something to come in and kickstart this team and why the hell don't you just pivot to the backup quarterback for this kc game because Carr's in a no-win situation because if he loses this game yeah it's the same old same old but Derek Carr comes out and lights it up and plays really really well in arrowhead against the chiefs and they win that game then you've got people ask, well, why the hell can't this guy do this every week? And that's all I got, JT, and uh, have a great day, bud. Yeah, take care, Mike. I appreciate it. You know, you got to go with Carr in this game. Carr's the franchise quarterback. He's second in the league in passing. He's had some bad games. When he throws for 300 yards, they're 6-0. and He's got to throw for 300 yards. He can do that in this game by embracing the shootout and attacking downfield. And if he doesn't play, this, play well in this game, I think the conversation next week will be Mariota. And I hope that's not the case because I don't want to be talking about Mariota starting next week because I want to see Carr go into Arrowhead and win a game and play well. He did last year. He was fantastic last year in that game, keeping the pocket alive and making throws downfield. He was fantastic about it, and he's got to do it again. He's got to be the player that plays at his best when the organization and his teammates need him. And I know it's hard. How many times do I stop and say, hey, Derek doesn't have a great offensive line. Derek hasn't had Waller. Derek lost rugs. Kenyon Drake broke his ankle. Alec Inglow's gone. I mean, I, I say that. So I understand what Derek's dealing with. I was in the building today. You could tell this team is up. They know what's at stake here. Now, if they don't win this game, it's going to take the leaders to keep the team up and the coaches, and they're going to still have a lot of football left here. But this is an opportunity. No one wants to see the Raiders as a 500 team. You can't be 500 anymore. There's 17 games. Below 500. And I think they can beat the Chargers in Denver at home. I think they can beat Cleveland on the road. There's a lot of optimism if they win this game. And they got to be in this game. In order to win this game, they got to keep it close. 
coming out of halftime. That's going to be real important, and you'll remember that on Raider Nation Radio.